Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoma. And I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Justin Martinez and Barry Trammell. And after Oklahoma's 40-35 to win over Tulane on Saturday here at uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, and uh, Barry, not quite the game that we expected to see. Uh, no, the first half was, I guess, 37 to 14. Um, but the second half was uh, pretty discouraging and very, very similar to what we've seen the last two years. K-State last year, Iowa State two years ago. And the Sooners just basically quit playing. And it was inexplicable, but it was, um, but it was a domination by Tulane, 21 21- 21 to 3 in the second half, the Green Wave. Uh, they're not near as good as OU physically. They had to be worn out mentally because of the hurricane relocation. Okay. And yet they took it to Oklahoma in the second half. And that's really not, you know, if I'm Lincoln Riley, that's not acceptable uh, in terms of myself, in terms of my coaches, in terms of my players. Yeah, that's something that, that Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch uh, discussed after the game in the second half. Tulane uh, outgains OU 230 to 118. Uh, not uh, not a great performance on either side of the ball for the Sooners after halftime. Justin, for you, what was the most concerning thing about uh, what we saw out of the Sooners today? Right. I mean, I think like Barry said, it, it seemed like for the most part, that second half was just a lot of them taking their foot off the brakes. Obviously, there were other actual holes. You know, the offensive line I still needs to be uh, still needs to be figured out a bit. There were some breakdowns in the secondary that uh, freed up some some pretty big plays for Tulane. So there's definitely things that need to work on. But it really just seemed like they had taken their foot off the gas in that second half. Yeah, it really did. Uh, Barry, how concerned are you with the, the offensive line? We saw a couple of uh, new faces out there. Robert Congel started at center. We'll see if he's the guy moving forward. My uh, anticipation would be that Andrew Rame winds up being the, the center for the majority of the year, but he had had some health issues and, and didn't get back until late in the week. So they went with uh, the Arizona transfer there. We saw uh, Chris Murray had some issues with uh, some penalties there early wound up switching out with uh, Eric Swenson a little bit, although he came right back in uh, there at one of the guard spots. And then uh, we got our first taste of Anton Harrison as a starter uh, there at tackle. What did you think about the offensive line overall, Barry? Well, you know, a, a couple things. It, first impression, they didn't play very good at all. But they mostly protected Rattler pretty good, I thought. And – they opened some holes. Now, the running game was really sporadic, but Kennedy Brooks ended up, I think, was at 14 for 87. And, you know, he did, I mean, he broke some tackles, but he did a pretty good job. Of, you know, I mean, they did a pretty good job of opening holes for him. Eric Gray had nowhere to run, but um, I'd give him about a C. They, I didn't think they were bad at all uh, compared to how it started early in the game. It wasn't very good. So, um, clearly, they need to be better. Chris Murray jumps off sides twice on the first drive of the game, but or second drive of the game. But, uh, you know, I think rain coming back will help. And uh, you know, I'm not terribly discouraged. I think early in the year, there's often, you know, some, some offensive line cohesion issues. 
uh, of course, the problem, the biggest problem is they're going to see a lot better defensive linemen than, than what they saw today with Tulane. Yeah, no doubt about it. This uh, it certainly wasn't the best defensive line uh, that they saw. But uh, let's uh, talk about Spencer Rattler's game. Rattler's numbers wind up looking not uh, not too bad there. Just uh, 30 of 39, 304 yards, but uh, only one touchdown, two interceptions. Um, it, Barry, or Justin, it just seemed like he was just a little bit off. Um, at uh, it, it, you know for for stretches of this thing, and, and uh, just wasn't as crisp as we saw there at the end uh, of last season. Yeah, I mean, if if you didn't watch the game, you just look at the numbers. Like you said, it, it looks like a pretty pretty good performance. Um, and it wasn't bad, but like you said, there were definitely some moments where you could see he was maybe forcing things a little too much. That second pass of the game, throwing to Marvin Mims in double coverage, it leads to a pick. He had another pick later in the game, and really he got kind of bailed out from a third interception late in the game that ultimately uh, got called back. But, yeah, there were just a few lapses in judgment. Um, but, I mean, overall, 30 for 39, you know, 304 passing yards. Uh, definitely not a bad performance, but there's for sure room for improvement. You know, I saw he he basically threw the ball up for grabs twice to he Mims. Did. One got intercepted. One Mims turned into a 50-yard play was great uh you know when when you see mims do that you can sort of understand why he's throwing the ball up for mims but the centers have a lot of weapons you don't need to be taking those kinds of chances i didn't think didn't think rattler was very good at all today so to me that was a little bit of a concern uh, and sort of understand it last year that kansas state game he was you know sort of shaky in his first real game missouri state doesn't count but you know he's he's come a long way since then. So I didn't. You know, I was I was fairly I was fairly discouraged. I would say by by Rattler's performance today. Yeah, and it seemed like it wasn't just him just trying to fit uh, throws into tight windows like the two that you mentioned, Barry. It was also throws that he was missing on. There's a couple yeah. there in the second quarter that just two really high and uncatchable passes, sort of back to back that ended a drive really. Uh, before it even started, after one of those turnovers uh, there in this second quarter, and we just didn't see the crispness out of him that that we saw, uh, you know, that last half of last season. Yeah, I thought I thought he threw behind a couple of guys. The the second pick was he threw behind. I think it's Jeremiah Hall. He missed some open guys. I mean, he's thirty or thirty nine, so that's whatever that is, seventy seven percent. So he, you know, the percentage was there, but still. You, the hype and the, the play down the stretch last season, he played at a very high level. You sort of expected more out of Spencer Rattler. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's about 77%, by the way, Barry, uh, the, on the completion percentage there. Justin, let's stick with the, the offense a little bit. Uh, what about the run game? Barry mentioned uh, Kennedy Brooks. We saw him 14 carries. 87 yards, average just a touch over uh, six, but uh, the the rest of it, uh, not much there. Was it uh, 21 carries, uh, 29 yards uh, for for the Sooners uh, rushing uh, outside of that, and obviously you know three of those for minus six is uh, the kneel downs uh, there at the end, but still to go uh, 18 for 35. 
uh, with Eric Gray, Spencer Rattlers, and and Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams rushing. Uh, not great, but is that something they're just going to have to live with because of their their running back depth right now, or uh, how much of a concern do you think that is? Yeah, it's definitely a concern. I think that. Kennedy really made the most of his opportunities. You know, there were some holes, but there weren't a whole lot. He really had to to break some tackles to get uh, those longer runs. But, yeah, it's just going to be something I got to do with throughout the course of the season. At least, you know, hopefully the offensive line will, will figure things out and be a little bit better. But also, you know, it, it's going to be on these guys to kind of make the most of whatever opportunities they can get. Yeah. What about you, Bear? What do you think about the running game? Especially, you know, it seems like there's parts in that second half where maybe if they would have tried to run it and get uh, you know Kennedy Brooks doing what Kennedy Brooks has done, maybe you could start a uh, one shorten the game and and two start to put it away. But with only having the two scholarship running backs, it's a, a tough thing to balance there with what they're doing uh, right now. Yeah, you know I thought the running game was so so. I counted 24 real running plays not scrambles, not quarterback sneaks, that kind of thing. 114 yards, 24 running plays. You should do better than that with Tulane. But wasn't awful. What I thought was interesting was Sooners were not good in short yardage, and Lincoln tried to force feed the the run game. Uh, I think I counted 13 plays in which OU needed uh, three yards or less, and most of those 13 were less than three. Uh, one or two yards, and they only converted six or seven of those. And two of the conversions were the two times he he dialed up pass plays. So running in short yardage was the biggest concern to me. Um, they did they were not they're very successful at converting uh, third and short, fourth and short, and that's got to change, um, especially against a two lane for crying out loud. So that's something to keep an eye on looking forward. You know, down on the goal line uh, early in the game, Caleb Williams comes in. And, and uh, uh, I can't remember if it was handoff. I think Eric Gray tried to score from the one. They stuffed him. In comes Caleb Williams. He scores on a, you know, a belldozer type play. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, the Sooners seem to be really needing to work on that, that short yardage situation. Yeah, no doubt about it. Justin, uh, what about that Caleb Williams uh, flash that we saw there? One, were you surprised to see Caleb Williams trot on and uh, Spencer Rattler off uh, there that early in the game? And uh, two, just how how often do you think we see that uh, with the game still on the line? Yeah, Caleb Williams making a case for a QB1 with that play there. Um, but no, I mean, he, he did a good job of coming in and and uh, and getting into the end zone. I think that Spencer had actually had an opportunity, um, I think it was a second and one or third and one also at some point in the game, and he had actually gotten stuck. Um, so, you know, maybe Williams has become one of those guys you can spring in and, and uh, have him punch it in from short yardage. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much they use that, especially, you know, thinking back to the the Belldozer days and things like that. Clearly, Caleb Williams is a different kind of runner than, than Blake Bell was, but uh, interesting to see that. By the way, Barry, it was uh, Kennedy Brooks on the uh, no gain there. 
right before Caleb Williams came on the field, right after the uh, 50-yard gain uh, from, from Marvin Mims. But let's switch over the defensive side some. Um, Barry, what to you was the most concerning thing about what we saw the OU's defense uh, in this one? Well, I thought they did some good things. I thought they rushed the passer well. I thought they contained Michael Pratt. They didn't let Tulane run wild. There were a few uh, receivers running open, and Lincoln, after the game, talked about more busts than usual. They were not very good on fourth down. Tulane had six fourth down plays, and only two of them were fourth and short. They converted four of the six. In the last play of the game, it's fourth and 13, and they let Pratt scramble for 12 and a half. So even you know, even a fourth down stop was near disaster. So I thought I thought they let down on fourth down plays, and, and Tulane was very hardy and very uh, spirited. So they didn't give up, and I thought the Sooners relaxed too much at times. Um, so I'd say maybe the, you know, the just the pass coverage. In, in such situations, they just let guys, and it was easy throws. You know, guy goes into the middle of his zone, and it's, he's not even moving, just turns around a little curl route and standing there. And Pratt, who's not a great thrower, he's okay, but he's not great. It's an easy pitch and catch. You got to make it tougher on those guys on fourth and six, fourth and seven. And the Sooners didn't do it. Yeah, they, they just seemed a little bit off uh, a lot of the night and it, it wasn't only on fourth down heck there was a, a couple of uh, what was it second and 15s there uh, early uh, on on those first couple drives that uh, Tulane converts I, th- I think they converted one of them for a first down and the other one they gained uh, 13 yards uh, to put themselves in in good position to, to pick up the first down on third down uh, it, Justin, what about you? Were you surprised by how this defense played overall, and, and what was, to you, uh, the most concerning thing about that? Yeah, I think just those breakdowns. Um, you look at uh, Tyreek James had a 43-yard reception. Uh, Jatavion Tolls had a 31-yard reception. Um, even Booker had a 24-hour reception. Like there were just these plays where it just seemed like guys were wide open and able to take advantage of it. Um, is that just you know first game of the season and hopefully they can iron that out? We'll see. But that's definitely one of the concerns. Yeah, uh, definitely there, uh, Barry. Though the second quarter we did see what we expected to see out of this defense uh, uh, this season, which was forcing a lot of turnovers. Three uh, three fumble recoveries there in the second quarter to help OU uh, build that big lead uh, by halftime, uh, where they're up 37 to 14. Um, wh- what do you think changed there defensively uh, for the Sooners, and is that the real Sooners defense or the one we saw for you know uh, the other three quarters? Uh, it's a great question. I don't know. I thought the OU defense was a little bit hyped, overhyped coming into the year. Everybody's talking about their yardage and all that kind of stuff, which I don't care how many yards they give up. Um, they were just so-so at keeping people out of the end zone. Item fifth in Big 12 defensive fish efficiency last season. So, you know, played better late in the year. So that's where the optimism grows from. 
but let's not pretend this was a steel curtain last year. And they certainly, they certainly uh, showed today that they weren't, or they weren't consistently stopping Tulane. You know, the, the three turnovers were great, although one was a, a giveaway. A, yeah. A snap. But um, otherwise, uh, you know, taking the ball away is always good. Always, always good. But other than that, there were two three and outs in the whole game for, for Tulane offensively. So, and one was the last drive of the game. So, um, you know, I, I, the OU defense has a long way to go. It, it's very reminiscent of K-State last year where, you know, they're playing great all the game. You think, this is good. And then all of a sudden in the second half, they just sort of, you know, just sort of throw it away. And, um, you know, it's a long game, and you you got you to gotta keep your foot on, on the pedal or, the, or the, you know, Good quarterbacks are going to make you pay, and it's just it's a bad day at Blackrock, I think, for the OU defense. The, the OU offense can at least say, hey, we scored 37 points in the first half. So I don't know that the defense can point to anything great all day other than those second-quarter takeaways. Yeah, Barry, although the, the OU offense also got bailed out by Gabe Burkich, uh, a, a little bit on uh, right after a couple of those turnovers, or really all three of them led to, to field goals, a, a 26-yarder, a 51-yarder, and then a 56-yarder uh, right before the half. Barry, there's been a, a lot of uh, big-time kickers in, in OU history, many of them uh, you know, a, a long time ago, but at, nobody had ever kicked multiple 50-yard field goals in a game, and today Burkich does it three times including that 56-yarder right before the half that was uh, tied for the third longest in Sooners history. If you're an OU fan, that's your best part of the day. Um, It's always cool to see a 50-yard field goal. It's always cool to see three of them. I mean, it tied an NCAA record, most most 50-yard-plus field goals in a game. So um, he made them all with a pretty stiff wind. And, uh, you know, the downside to Burkich is there in the – Fourth quarter, I think when the game was 40 to 28, the Sooners have a nice long drive, stall out, and Burkage comes in for a 31 yard field goal and, and shanked it left and kept Tulane sort of uh, with a pulse. Um, but you're right. Um, you know, it's sort of a bittersweet thing when your kicker kicks three 50 something yard field goals against Tulane. You think, hey, great, we got a kicker that can make 50-yard field goals. But on the other hand is, why is your offense stalling out at the 35-yard line or the 38-yard line? Why does he need to kick so many 50-yard field goals? Just hand the ball off and have Rattler roll out and make first downs and go to, go score a touchdown. So even even the Burkich deal is sort of bittersweet. Yeah, I mean, just just seeing the, uh, the uh, drive summaries on each of those three second quarter field goals, uh, you know, all of them came right after uh, Tulane uh, had fumbled the ball and you got uh, four plays for two yards, four plays for zero yards, three plays for two yards. So just the uh, the offense just wasn't able to, to take advantage of those. But uh, Gabe Burkich uh, certainly bailed him out. And at the time, you look like it, it bails him out and they've got a chance to right the ship. And, uh, you know, uh, still come out with uh, a big uh, 
big margin there being up 23 at, at half and then things just sort of fall apart in the second and all of a sudden it's a it's a game right in those final minutes but uh justin saw a lot of first year guys today i think uh 12 uh first year sooners uh, start, uh played uh for the first time for the sooners uh eight uh players made their first uh, starts at ou of course, a couple of those guys are guys that have been around a little bit in Jaden Hazelwood and, and Anton Harrison um, and, and Chris Murray. But uh, when you just talk about the newcomers, um, who do you is the most impressive uh, out of that group but today? Yeah, I mean, I think one guy that is going to continue to have opportunities is going to be Mario Williams. I thought it was a pretty solid uh, debut for him, freshman wide receiver. Uh, got a touchdown in this one, wasn't able to really break free for a huge play, but still 37 yards, six receptions. Actually had the most targets on the team. He had eight of them, uh, which is a bit of a surprise to see him that heavily involved right out of the gates. But yeah, he's going to have that opportunity at least for, you know, the first half of the season with uh, with the Oes out with that uh, lower body injury. So we'll see what he can do with these these opportunities. But um, solid, solid first start for him. What about you, Barry? Any of those newcomers uh, really jump out to you? Uh, well, I loved what I saw out of Mario Williams. Um, I uh, Defensively, in terms of newcomers, um, I don't know. He's not a newcomer, but he's, I thought Josh Ellison made a couple of plays. He's a guy, you know, sort of a better depth chart type guy, but he sort of stood out to me, um, did a nice job. Um, I thought actually a bunch of defensive guys looked individually, looked pretty good. I thought Benito had a strong game and Winfrey and and uh, some other guys. So it, it's a little bit of a peculiar thing, but, uh, but I thought Corey uh, Robertson was solid and Josh Ellison, you know, they were about Jordan Kelly. So the depth dinged a little bit not not severely but um i think sooner showed they got quite a bit of depth on that defensive line yeah they did you know uh among the newcomers uh on that that defensive side that i'll point out billy bowman finished with with four tackles three three of them solo uh one of the tackles for a loss broke up a pass and uh forced one of those fumbles i i thought that he certainly showed why OU wanted to make sure that he was on the field one way or another. Thought it was a, a strong performance from him. We'll see, you know, after he, he all had the a film great was interception. Like I mean, yeah, I thought he, I didn't, he had that near interception on a great play where he, you know, he makes a big leap, breaks on the ball, and uh, wasn't really thrown his direction. He breaks on the ball and almost had leaped high and almost came down with it. Um, he looks like a player to me, Billy Bowman. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, the the progression that some of these guys make and the pro- progression that this team makes here moving forward. But certainly uh, need to do a lot uh, here over the next week to to uh, get themselves better after an overall uh, disappointing performance in a forty to thirty five uh, win over Tulane. Uh, oh. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you all uh, before we close up here, Justin, what do you think about, one, the uh, the way this game was received, B, 
being a, a, a late move to Norman after Hurricane Ida. Uh, the, the logos on the field and, and some of the things that they did playing uh, Tulane's intro video. Uh, just just what do you think about the overall uh, atmosphere of the game, especially given some some strange conditions? Yeah, class act by OU. I thought they did a good job with those things you mentioned. Um, having the logo out there for Tulane on the field. Um, like I said, that intro. Um, you know, just trying their best to – this is technically a home game for Tulane, so trying their best to, to accommodate them on, on short notice. I thought they did a pretty good job of it. And, Barry, we got to see an interesting uniform matchup out here. OU wore their uh, traditional home uniform, but uh, Tulane had their, their home uh, light blues as well, led to a, a, a look that we're not really used to seeing here uh, in Norman. I can't remember the last time – OU played a game in which neither team wore white. It probably has happened since the 1967 season Orange Bowl, OU Tennessee. Um, it probably has happened since then, but I can't remember it. And um, so, and, and in that game, Tennessee wore the, the the light orange. OU wore the crimson. So I thought it was a, a sort of a good color contrast. You know, those baby blues that Tulane wore. They don't go good with white uniforms on the other team. I mean, I can see why OU would wear dark. Um, it's a better contrast. So uh, I thought it was a good, spectacular uh, color setting for the uniform matchup. And, the, you know, the, the Green Wave logo there on the field was cool. So, um, you know, that was good. And they even had the uh, even had good, old, good old-fashioned New Orleans weather for the Green Wave. It was 97, about 97 degrees humidity. So... Um, you know, I thought I thought everybody made the best of they could of a difficult situation, and that includes Tulane putting up. You know, we talked a lot about the Sooners, but I thought the Green Wave's performance was spectacular. To go through what they've gone through, re- relocating to Birmingham last weekend, um, having trouble communicating back home with friends and family on, on campus or in their hometowns of Southern Louisiana. And then to come here and play a game like this, get down 23 and not quit. You know, we talk about this two-lane comeback. It's not like they hit OU early in the third quarter. It was still 37 to 14 with four minutes left in the third quarter. Well, the game was just about over that late. And still they came back and had a chance to win. So hats off to the green wave. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you, Barry. And I, th- I think this two-lane team is going to be pretty good. They finished what six and six last year made a bowl game uh, pushed Tulsa who was at the time in the top 25 to the to the limit uh, there I think they've got a better team than they did a, a year ago now let's see we'll see if the record is as good because they've got a, a much tougher schedule but uh, you know certainly a, a really good performance from Tulane be interesting to see what they're able to do moving forward but uh, we're going to wrap it up there uh, on the Sooners Extra podcast and uh, OU uh, plays Western Carolina next week, six o'clock. Everybody's favorite, the pay-per-view game. Uh, we'll see if the Sooners are able to turn things around and uh, put together a little bit better overall performance there. But thank you so much for joining us. You can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere. Mm-hmm.